What a blessing to be in Brisbane. We almost didn't make it today. We, um, we got in the airport this morning, uh, Pastor Skelly and uh, Brother Mansur, and, and do I, did I turn this on okay? I, I flicked it. I flicked that thing as hard as I could flick it. Is that, a, is that an Aussie word, flicking it? Like, I, I know I'm from America, but I know how to spell O-N-O-F-F. Like, I got that part. You know, I understand that, but all right, are we good now? Are we all right? We're on? So we got to the airport this morning in Sydney, and um, we were going to just, we got through security, got a coffee, sat down. We're all just kind of decompressing after the rush to the airport, and you know how that is. And um, we were getting everything together, and then I, I don't have any, um, I didn't have a, an app for Virgin Airlines. I just have a paper ticket, and so I'm oblivious to what's going on in the world. I just have a long black, and everything is good in the world. I'm in Australia with a bunch of my friends and a long black, and that's all you need. Really, you just need the long black. That's all you need, but <laughs> the other things are benefits, so I have that, and uh, all of a sudden, everybody just starts talking you know, rapidly, and there's motion, and people are running around. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? Um, uh, and our flight was canceled. And all of a sudden, I, I find out that I'm going to be on the 6 a.m. flight in the mor- you know, tomorrow. And uh, everybody's on different flights. I have my daughter, Juliana, with me over here. And uh, one of our school teachers from our, our ministry, Kayla, is with us. And so we're all on different flights, and we're just scrambling. And uh, thankfully, the Lord worked it out. And some, some, uh, some guys went to work on our behalf, and we got four of us on the plane. But we had to fly into uh, the Sun Coast, Sunshine, where are we at? Something like that. We were going to the Gold Coast first, then we were going to Sunshine. So we got over there, we landed at, I don't know what time we landed. All I know is some men in masks whisked us off. No. <laughs> and, uh, and here we are. I mean, I got to the hotel, and um, we were, they, they checked us in, rushed up, opened up the suitcases, whatever we had, we were throwing on, and here we are. So I don't know if I match, if my shirt's buttoned right. <laughs> Listen, if something's wrong, just give me a break. I mean, it's all right. I'm from America, and I just barely got here. So we're, we're glad to be here. But I've been looking forward to this, been praying for this meeting. And uh, your pastor is a dear friend, and I'm so thankful for his ministry and his friendship. You know, uh, friendship, true friendship, is, is such a, a, a rare commodity. And uh, I'm, grateful for, I'm grateful for friends who are faithful and will pray for you, speak the truth to you, encourage you. And, and I know Pastor Herndon and his family are, are truly our friends. We're going to look tonight. I, I, we've got a, we've got a, my goal tonight was just to introduce myself to you. I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to give you a thought, and then I'm going to sit down, and we're going to hear Pastor Skelly um, preach in a little bit, okay? Uh, we, we tend to sometimes get confused for one another. Um, uh, he is my much older brother, and, um, and so we, uh, sometimes people think that we, we look alike. And so tonight, I'm at the hotel, Literally open my suitcase. I'm scrambling. I have my shirt. I have I'm hoping the iron is getting hot. I'm trying to iron my shirt. There's a knock at the door 
And thank you for the coffee tonight. Uh, Brother David, you, you had, he had coffee sent up to the room. I didn't know that that was who was knocking on my door. So I've got my shirt halfway on. I open the door, and the lady goes, oh, do you have a twin? <laughs> and what I found out later is she had just knocked on Pastor Skelly's door, and he was in the same mode, throwing a shirt on. And uh, anyway, so we made it. But uh, Brother Skelly is a dear friend, and I look up to him because he's my much older brother, and he's been um, as an older, wiser man than me. But he has been a blessing in my life and been a great counselor and a great friend. And I, I just, I'm always, I'm always fed uh, very, very heartily through his preaching. And God has used him in my life in a great way. And I'm grateful for that. Let's look in our Bibles tonight to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, I'm, I'm going to just give a few thoughts tonight. I pastor in northern Colorado, which is about an hour north of Denver, which means nothing to many of you, but it's in a beautiful place in the Rocky Mountains, but we are in a, as far as our culture in our city, we're in a very progressive area, and uh, there's only two Baptist churches in the city, we have about a half a million people in our surrounding area. And there are two Baptist churches ministering there. And we, there's, we're, we have a university, Colorado State University is in our town. So we have a lot of, we have about 35,000 students in that university. About 40 minutes away is the University of Colorado. And there's about 60,000 students there. And it's just a very progressive area. And it's just ripe. It's ripe for the gospel. And uh, I was pastoring. I was born and raised in Colorado. And my wife and I were serving in ministry. And we were just having a wonderful time serving the Lord. And then God moved us down to the deep south in uh, America. We went to the state of Mississippi. And uh, if you're from Mississippi, you don't say Mississippi. You just say Mississippi. And you just kind of, you know, kind of have a slack jaw and Mississippi. And everybody just sits around and they drink sweet tea and they chew tobacco. And, and, uh, and then the men's groups, they do other things. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so uh, uh, but we were down in the deep south. But everyone down there knows Jesus. They know about the Bible. It's called the Bible Belt. In America, there are Baptist churches on every corner. Many people are lost. They just don't know it. Uh, and uh, we, we pastored there for nearly 15 years. And the Lord moved our hearts and moved us away. And we, quite honestly, we didn't want to go. And we moved from the deep south at a place where we had raised our kids. We were very comfortable. We had a, a large, thriving church. We had seen many people come to Christ. We had discipled many of those people. God was doing a great work. We had grown, but we had come to a place where we were just comfortable. And God moved us to an area that was very unchurched, very progressive. Uh, we went from our ministry in Mississippi was trying to help people understand they were lost to moving to Colorado where people had no idea 
what, who Adam and Eve were. It never heard anything about the Bible, and you're just taking people through the basics. And God has blessed us there. But when we moved, I, I was uncertain about pastoring in that environment. It was, I was uncomfortable. But I was exactly where God wanted me to be. Because I was now, for the first time in several years, truly learning again to depend on God. And I realized that there had been a, a lacking in my ministry because I was doing ministry at my capacity. And God wanted to do things at his capacity. And God moved me to where I had to seek him. We moved in 2019. We were getting settled. Our oldest daughter graduated. We have three girls, Deanna, Brianna, and Juliana. We did not do that on purpose, I promise you. We, it, it, uh, that's a long story. We won't go on that tonight, but I didn't do that on purpose. But um, we, we did Deanna, Brianna, Juliana. The first one was Deanna, and then we were kind of hesitant on our second daughter's name. We didn't really know what to name her, and they were like, she was born, and we were leaving the hospital, and they're like, we have to write something on this paper. And so we, we just said, let's go with Brianna. Well, then several years later, we had a third daughter, and, you know, you can't have Deanna, Brianna, and Stephanie, you know. <laughs> that kid's going to feel left out. So we had to go with Juliana. And then I thought, man, what are we going to do if we have a boy? And so we decided we're going to have Santa Anna. So, um, <laughs> but uh, here we were uh, with three girls, my oldest daughter. We had just moved to Colorado. My oldest daughter was graduating. We moved in February. My oldest daughter was graduating college in May and not knowing where the Lord was going to lead her. And then she moved to Colorado and God's plan for her life. She met a good young man in our church and then they began to date and they planned their wedding. They got engaged and planned their wedding for March of 2020. We finished decorating the church. We had everything ready. We're driving home. It's midnight and we got an alert from our governor. No gatherings over 10. Uh, effective immediately, and we didn't know that there was this thing called coronavirus, and uh, we were going into a, a weird, weird place in life. We were brand new in this place. We had a church that we had only been uh, a part of now for a year. They didn't really know us well. We didn't know them well. We were still learning each other, and then all of a sudden, we're all at home, and Something very interesting happened. When I got up in the middle of the night, I didn't know what this virus was, and I wasn't certainly, I wasn't really concerned about that. We, no one knew, right? But I began to think about, I'm in a place where these people don't know me. I really don't know this church. I don't know what's going to happen. We're, we're all stuck at home. We're not gathering together. I don't know if we're going to have a church on the other side of this. And I, for about 48 hours, went through a battle with fear. And not just fear. It was more than that. 
Uh, you know, all of us are going to have fear from time to time. There are certain things I'm fearful of. The other day we were in Sydney and we, we landed on Saturday and we, we, we got there at 7 o'clock in the morning and we toured around the town or the city and saw the, the opera house and we took a little ferry ride out in the harbor and then we came back and then these, these girls got the bright idea, hey, let's climb the bridge. Let's do the bridge climb. Has anybody ever done the bridge climb? Okay, well, it's terrifying. Uh, we did it and... Um, and uh, they, they, they did it very bravely, and I played the part of the little girl who was uh, trying to hang on for dear life. But we, you know, there, there are healthy fears in life. There are healthy fears. You should be fearful when you're uh, that far off the water. There's, there's good fears. Fear is a good thing. You know, for a long time, there were those little bumper stickers, no fear. Remember those? No fear. Well, those are dangerous people. <laughs> very dangerous people that have no fear. There are healthy fears. Uh, there, are, there are fears will keep you in check and they help you to stay alive in some cases. But let me tell you, there, there is actually a, a, a great healthy fear, and that is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. They, God desires us to fear him. And... Uh, when you fear the Lord, God blesses you. It protects you. And so that's a good fear. But there is something about fear in the life of the believer that I believe Satan begins to do a work in that, in that fear that becomes a spirit of fear. And this is what we're going to see in our text tonight. Let's look at the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to to the power of God, who hath saved us and hath called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And all God's people said right there, amen. amen. Now listen very carefully. Here's Paul in prison, about to die, writing to Timothy, who's in the pulpit. And Paul is writing from a, a spirit of joy. 
Did you, not, did you not catch the tone of Paul's letter? He's writing from a spirit of mercy and peace and joy, but he's writing to a young pastor who is gripped with the spirit of fear. And I want to tell you what Paul was telling Timothy was, he's going to tell him in just a little while, he's going to say, Timothy, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I've finished my course. And he was going to be with the Lord. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown. Paul was almost, you can almost see Paul smiling in the face of death. And he was ready. I mean, death had no fear in him. And death had, there was no reserve in him. I'm ready. I'm going to go through that veil of death to a place where I'm going to be given the crown of life. Do you know that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, there is no negative note in the New Testament for the believer? There's no negative note for the believer. It's joy. It's peace. It is contentment. It is victory. Now thanks be unto God which causeth us always to triumph in Christ. Nay, in all things we are more than. But is this how the church is living today? Is the church living in victory? Are we living as conquerors? Are we, are we advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ in a spirit of joy, in a spirit of power, in a spirit of peace? Is the church tonight content with Christ? Are we marching forward in victory? Or are we, as believers, fearful? Are we living in a spirit of fear? Well, I want to tell you tonight that God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's easy to look at this world and to see all that's going on on the political landscape, the economic landscape. It's easy to look at all of the things that Satan has learned in this world to be able to manipulate the masses through their emotions. Satan is a master at it. And we've seen it. We have seen the gripping of people's minds and hearts with fear. Let me tell you, friends, listen, Christians, there is a world out there tonight who are living in fear. Let me tell you, there are three kinds of people in the world tonight. There are those who are afraid, right? There are those who don't know enough to be afraid. And then there's those of us who know the Bible. And I want to tell you tonight that if the church is gripped with a spirit of fear, you cannot tell the good news with fear in your eyes. We can't tell the world of victory when we are living under the spirit of fear. And this is where Timothy was. Do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said in Luke 21 and verse number 9, But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. Paul said here in the book of Philippians, he said, and in nothing be terrified by your adversaries. Hey, listen, church, fear has no place in the life of the believer. Fear has no place in the life of the believer. And when fear comes, I believe Satan will take advantage. And what is a common fear in the life of the believer will become a spirit of fear. Let me tell you what fear does very quickly. Fear causes us to forget. Fear causes you to forget. 
you get so fixated on the thing that you're afraid of that you forget all the blessings. So let me tell you what fear does. Fear gets your eyes off the blessings of God, and fear fixes your attention on the problems. So that all you can think about is what is wrong, and you lose the joy of all that is right. And this is where Paul was telling Timothy. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. Paul said in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee. He said, he said Timothy, I'm remembering you. In my prayers day and night, I think about you and what God has done in your life. I think about meeting your family at Lystra. I remember when God brought you into my life. I remember when you got saved. I remember you when I'm praying for you. I'm not in prison fearful of what's going to happen to me. I'm in prison thinking about you. But Timothy, there's some things that you have forgotten. I'm, I'm living free in this prison and you're living in prison in freedom. And you have forgotten the blessings of God. Look what he says in verse, number, in verse number five. He said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded in thee also. Then he says in verse number six, wherefore I put thee in remembrance. Listen, Timothy had forgotten the life of faith that his grandmother lived. He had forgotten the life of faith that his mother lived. Timothy forgot that that spirit of faith was in him. Paul remembered that it was in him. He had seen that faith in Timothy. He had seen times when Timothy was living boldly for Christ. But now Timothy had forgotten who he was. He forgotten his roots. He forgot where he came from. He forgot about that faith. And Timothy was fixated on the fears. And his fear had caused him to forget. You know, there are some of us tonight, we're strangled with worry. And we forgot the answers to prayer that God has brought our way. We forgot those nights when we called out to God and God showed up in great ways. But fear has caused us to forget. Listen, Timothy had forgotten his spiritual heritage. He'd forgotten his own spiritual experiences. Do you remember? Do you remember that thing that you prayed for that was an impossibility and then God came through? Do you remember that? But when we get afraid, we forget those things. And Paul said, Timothy, remember, remember, remember what God did in your family. Remember what God has done in you. Listen, fear will cause you to become blind to your blessings. Not only that, but fear causes failure. Fear will cause you to fail. Look at verse number eight. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor, me or, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Let me tell you what I believe. What you can see Paul saying here is, Timothy, you're failing to declare the gospel in power because you're afraid you're going to end up where I am. You're so afraid of taking a stand in this world that you're going to be stoned or you're going to be imprisoned or you're going to be rejected that you are failing in your ministry to be what God has called you to be. You're not standing in the power of God declaring the gospel. You're cowering in fear, ashamed. You're ashamed of Christ. You're ashamed of me. Fear causes you to fail. Listen, you, you, get, a, you get a soloist that's going to sing for the first time in church. And they've, they've sung in groups, but now they're going to they're sing a solo. 
and they stay up all night Saturday night practicing, and they just keep thinking, I'm going to miss that note. Oh, I hope I hit that note. Oh, I hope that. And they're so nervous. You ever seen them? You ever seen somebody singing in church, and the microphone's shaking in their hand? And maybe if it's a lady, the hem of her dress is, you can see that thing, like, shaking out there. You know what I'm talking about? And they're just thinking, oh, I'm going to miss it. 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 You know what they do? They miss it. Huh? I mean, this is, this is the great thing in sports. I mean, you get a guy in a pressure situation, and he's got to make the shot, and all he's thinking is, I can't miss it. I can't miss it. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. He missed it. Fear will cause you to fail every time. And Timothy was failing. Listen, listen. You know why I believe that so many in the church, that, that why churches are failing and Christians are failing to preach the gospel? is because we have Christians who are under a spirit of fear. You know why some people don't witness? They're afraid. You know why some don't sing in church? They're afraid. You know, some got talents and they could serve God. In a they could teach a class, but they won't because they're afraid. And fear has them paralyzed, failing to exercise their gifts. Listen, God wants the church to advance, not to sit. Listen, he didn't call us to just sit in here and hold the fort. He told us to go attack the gates. Listen, this is, this is what the Lord is telling Timothy. God didn't give you this spirit of fear. Fear will also cause you to become frail. Fear will take the strength out of you. Well, we don't have time to go into this deeply, but I believe that Timothy, with this spirit of fear, he had some kind of a physical frailty. You can see it in Paul's first epistle to Timothy in chapter 5 and verse 23. Paul said to Timothy, he said, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmity. Timothy had some kind of a nervousness, and, and he had some kind of an issue with his stomach, and Timothy was, Timothy was having stomach problems, and he was frail, and he was sick, and he was often infirmed, and Paul was saying, listen, you got to get some, drink some juice. You need to get healthy. He, he later told Timothy in chapter 4, verse 8, or earlier told Timothy in chapter 4, verse 8, he said, Timothy, bodily exercise profits little. I mean, you need to exercise, and it's good, but it profits little. Rather, exercise yourself to godliness and righteousness. And Timothy, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to, you're losing strength and you're trying to exercise it and, and uh, you're, you're having frailty, but that's what fear will do. Fear will take your strength. Listen, there are, there are people tonight who have health problems and doctors will tell you that it didn't start with a bad heart, it didn't start with a bad lung, it didn't start with a bad kidney, it started with fear and worry. Worry is, like, worry is like sand in a machine. Worry is that to your body. There are Christians who are going through frailty because of fear. Listen, this is a sign of the last days. Men's hearts will fail them for fear. For fear. The church, this is no time for Christians to be afraid. Hey, listen, what do we have to lose? This world, when we lose this world, we gain heaven. Well, what do we have to lose? Well, I might die. And absent from the body is, what do we have to lose? Listen, this is what Paul was saying. Paul's like, listen, all of our enemies have been conquered at the cross. We're living in victory. We're walking as conquerors. There is nothing that can hold us. There's nothing that can stop us. We have the power of Christ in the gospel. Don't let fear keep you from advancing. 
So what is the believer's weapon? Paul gave Timothy three things that are the believer's weapon. One, he said to Timothy, he said in verse number seven, he said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Let me tell you something. The believer's weapon is the power that lies in the believer. Listen to me. What You say, well, what is that power? Well, the, Jesus answered that question. Jesus said in Luke 24 and verse 49, I send the promise of the Father upon you, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, he said, he said, and ye shall be witnesses unto me after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Listen, we have the power of God. Listen, if you have the power of God in you, then what is in you is greater than anything that comes against you. Greater is he that is in you than he, the he that is in the world. You have no obstacle. You have no problem. You have no circumstance that is greater than the power that lies within the believer. You know where this worry comes from? This worry comes from a sense. It comes from a sense of, of insecurity. It comes from a sense of powerlessness. We see ourselves against the problems, and it's just like the, the, the ten spies that came back and said, oh, man, we saw those walls. We saw those giants. They're much bigger than us. But Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, but they're much smaller than him. <laughs> you compare your problems against you, you're inadequate, and that's where the fear comes in. It comes from our inadequacies. I can't do this. But listen, <laughs> I am not doing this. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. This is... The power of the believer. I remember when I was in high school. I'm sorry. When I was in junior high school. This is, it helps the story. <laughs> but I was in junior high school, and there was a boy that was two grades ahead of me. His name was Tom, and Tom was a, he was a big old boy. And Tom just loved to pick on me all the time. He picked on me, picked on me, picked on me. He punched on me. He, he would do all kinds of stuff. He'd jar, you know, Charlie horses in my arm, and he would do all kinds of stuff to me. And I'd come home, and I'd be, you know, I'd, I'd have bruises on me. And the dad would say, what's wrong with you? And I'd be, dad, Tom is beating me. My dad finally looked at me one day, and he said, listen to me. He said, next time Tom picks on you, and you come home and you cry about it, I'm going to spank you. He said, if you don't punch that boy in the nose, you're going to deal with me. Man, I fretted about that thing, fretted about that thing, fretted about that thing. I got to school. I came out of the, I came out of the locker room, and we had this place where in the hallway came in, the door was inset, so it was out of the view of everybody else. And I came around the corner in that area, and there was Tom. And my heart sunk. <sighs> There was Tom. Boy, he said, he looked at me, started picking on me, razzing me, hitting on me. And I remember, you know, what my dad said, and I was trying to, I was trying to muster up some strength and some courage, and I was shaking like a noodle. And I, I remember my hands coming together like this, and I'm getting in, and I'm just thinking about, man, dad's going to get me when I get home. And, and I looked up, and I finally just pulled my little body up like this, and I said, you better leave me alone, boy. You better back off. Let me tell you something. Tom's like, hey, hey, it's okay, man. It's all right. It's all right. And I said, yeah, you, you better believe it's all right. It ain't going to be all right, boy. And I took a step. He took a step. And he's like, hey, just calm down, man. I'm just messing with you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you better not mess with me anymore, bud. And, you, and he turned around. He took off. And I'm, I'm like, you better walk away. And I turned around. And I ran into my dad. My dad was the pastor at the school, at the church. And he... He had gone into the bathroom, and I didn't know he was in there. And when I came out, Dad was in there. He came out behind me. Let me tell you, Tom wasn't afraid of me. Tom was afraid of my dad. And let me tell you something. <laughs> Listen to me. 
Listen, my strength to his strength was inadequate, but his strength to his strength was sufficient. It was more than enough. As many of us are trying to fight these battles in our own strength. You can't do it in your strength, but greater is he that is in you. Power. You have power tonight. You have the power of God tonight. Number two, our weapon is love. How in the world can love take away fear? What does love have to do with fear? Well, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now that verse used to bother me. When I was a young man, I would doubt my salvation. I would think, well, if I'm fearful, then I'm not loving God perfectly. Because if I loved God right, then I wouldn't have fear. Well, listen, it took a long time before the Lord... Help me understand that, listen, perfect love casts out fear. It's not because I love him perfectly, but because he loves me perfectly. And it doesn't matter what you're facing tonight. If God loves you, that dispels all fear. I'm standing in the love of God. I'm walking in the love of Christ. The love of Christ constrains me. The love of Christ, listen to me, the love of Christ is my motivation. The love of Christ is the virtue. The love of Christ is all in all. I'm standing and walking. I'm accepted in the beloved. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that you are worthless? That you have never earned one ounce of God's love ever. You've never earned an ounce of God's love. I don't care how, I don't care how well of a Christian life you think you're living. You've never one time ever done anything good enough to attain God's love. You were made perfect and accepted in the beloved. You came to Christ and God loves Christ so much. Listen, God loves Christ so well and Christ is in you. Therefore, Christ, God has to love you so well. That God loves you like he loves Christ. I can't put my mind around that, but I want to tell you, when I get to thinking that God loves me like he loved Jesus, it dispels the fears. And then thirdly, he gave us a sound mind. A sound mind is a mind that is disciplined. A sound mind is a healthy mind. It's a mind that is under self-control. It's a mind that is controlled not just by self, but it's a mind controlled by the Spirit of God. Remember that man who was a maniac? He was naked and cutting himself and living in the tombs. And then he met Jesus. And they came by and they looked at that guy and they saw him. And he was sitting and he was clothed and he was in his right mind. Well, we need a little bit of that in our churches these days. If I had one more person send me an email about how the vaccine was the mark of the beast, I was going to lose my mind. <laughs> I had a lady, she emailed me every day. I finally called her up and I said, hey, listen to me. Did you, are you going to get that vaccine? No. I said, is the, is, is the, is the beast giving the shot? <laughs> she said, well, no. I said, then it ain't his. You're going to know it's his when he's doing it. Until then, stop emailing me. Listen, sound mind. We need a sound mind. We need a mind. You know what a sound mind is? It's a mind that thinks rightly and biblically and godly. It's a mind filled with the mind of Christ. When you have the mind of Christ, listen. 
When you have the mind of Christ and you think of things like Christ thinks of them, there's nothing to fear. Fear is keeping many of us from doing what God wants us to do. Fear is keeping many believers in a warfare that has already been won. Some of us are fighting internal. Remember, remember by the way, Paul, Paul knew about that. Without were fightings, within were fears. Paul understood that. It's part of our condition, but let me tell you something. How do you combat that? With the power of God, with the love of God, and with the mind of Christ. And let me tell you, you get a church, you get a church, you get a church that believes that. Listen, I got to read this verse. I'm trying to hurry. I don't want to skip this verse. We just can't skip it. I bet Timothy was reading this letter. Can you see Timothy getting this in the mail? And he's reading this, he unscrolls it, and he's just reading this letter. He's got a bad and nervous stomach. You know, he's got to get to the gym later and work out. He's trying to, he's trying to battle stress. He's, he's drinking juice. He's reading this, and Paul's telling him, remember the unfeigned faith that is in you. And I can just hear Timothy thinking, man, I wish I could. I wished I could, I wished I could have this confidence that Paul, Paul's in prison and he's so free. And I'm free and I'm so in prison. I wished I could have that joy. How does Paul do it? And he's reading here. And then he begins to read. Verse number 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless. I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. There's the secret. Church, we need to get back to just knowing Jesus. And casting our cares upon him and know that he is able. Father, I pray that you'll bless our time together. I pray that we would leave here as an encouraged people, an encouraged church. Lord, a discouraged church, a fearful church, can't share the good news well. And we've got news to tell. And I pray that we would have the peace of God, the joy of God, the love of God. Oh, Holy Spirit, shed it abroad in our hearts. Give us a victory tonight. That discouraged believer tonight, that fearful believer tonight, I pray that they would find encouragement and strength in the Lord Jesus. Give us that power and that love and that sound mind. Help us to stand fast in these days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.